Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Halicon. Uh, Hells is an extremely interesting person. He started with Bloodborne when he, uh, when his friends encouraged him to write some fan fiction of the erotic variety. Uh, so, yes, this was going to get a little blue. Um, it's going to get a, a not, not straight up pornographic or anything like that. But we do talk about and pretty frankly about you know shipping and writing fan fiction of that variety and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a very interesting episode overall, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So, go listen. first game i played technically was uh dark souls one mm-hmm. i haven't touched it since because i got stuck on the on the asylum demon <laughs> i suck <laughs> I, I, I was, it was so bad i haven't i just haven't touched it in the past what three years what was uh like why did you pick it up in the first place well because um i'd gotten into bloodborne i hadn't played the game yet and mm-hmm. i'm like you know i should I should probably try out the other Souls games, like to see if I'd like those too. Cause um before I got, like before I started playing Bloodborne, I was really into the lore and all the um all the meta. Mm-hmm. So I thought you know if I like if I like Bloodborne, I might like Dark Souls. So I might as well try it. And Dark Souls one was on sale on Steam. Worst mistake I ever made was getting it on the computer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a it's not a particularly great PC port by any means. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about uh, playing Bloodborne, though, because uh, I'm kind of curious. Like, so you started off with the in the series with Bloodborne. All right, so um, I had a friend who was in the um, Elder Scrolls fandom, mm-hmm. and he was really into Bloodborne, right? And so I c- ended up like, I just ended up being unable to escape just talking about it constantly with him. <laughs> of course. And over time, I'm like, you know, I actually kind of like this, so I. I started getting into um, the voice acting, all the lore videos. Was this before and actually playing the game? Yes, it was years before playing the game. I think <laughs> 2017, I actually played the game for the first time. Okay. And this was back in 2015 when I was hearing about it. Do you often do that? Like, do you hear about a game and then go to kind of explore it, all of the like media around it as opposed to the playing the game yeah. itself? Yeah, and then unfortunately the whole game experience is ruined for me because I know everything about it. <laughs> I was going to there ask. There is no blind run. <laughs> Does that like? Do you feel like you're, you you cheat yourself with that kind of way, or is that just kind of the way that you play video games? That's just the way that I do it. At first, I felt like I was cheating it, but then I'm like, you know what? I might as well just embrace it. This is how I do it. I was writing fan fiction long before I started playing Bloodborne. Really? Yeah. I think um, the first one I wrote was in was um, December 2016. It was for New Year's. It was um, my friend Daisy pushed me to do it. So yeah, sorry. Go on. No, I'm, I'm just I'm just curious, like because uh, most of the, most of the people that I talk to, like they play the game and they get obsessed with it, and then they get obsessed with everything around it. But this seems to be going kind of backwards. Like, what did, yeah. when inspired you to like? Were you just that like fascinated with the characters and the and the story in the world to start writing fan Pretty fiction? Much. Pretty much, yeah. It was about a year before I got the um the guts to start writing, but over time it was just you know it started coming easier. W- would you mind talking about that that first piece of fan fiction? I'm curious what it was about. 
Oh, if this ain't a story and a half. Um, okay, so my friend Daisy was pushing me to write um, this thing that I was I was going to write it eventually, and uh, it ended up being just explicit pornography. <laughs> That's okay. And that really set the mood for the rest of the things that I wrote over the course of last year. <laughs> we we have we have was, the explicit tag on iTunes, so we're we're all good to talk about explicit. Oh, pornography. thank God! Thank God. <laughs> Because there's about 15 Bloodborne fanfictions on IO3, and most of them are porn. <laughs> is there is this just your your friend Daisy having like a particular ship that she's into, or just or like just write anything and I'm, I will consume any Bloodborne content? Um, he's more of the latter. If I say I'm going to write something, even if I'm joking, he'll be like, "Just do it." <laughs> And he won't let up until I've done it. <laughs> he just pushes you and pushes you until it's done. I do the same thing with him, so. We kind of enable each other. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's a good friend to, to kind of force each other to be creative and to, and to actually put work out there. Yeah. In my case, it ended up um, sort of a domino effect. And now I'm just, the whole year, of last, the whole last year, I was just writing, writing writing fucking everything <laughs> is it is it something like obviously your friend daisy was pushing you at the first but like are you once you start is that one of, one of those situations where you just you just want to keep doing it like you keep coming up with new ideas or new stories or uh new pornography to write <laughs> yeah not all of it's porn I have, <laughs> I'm I have sure. some i have some rated pg-13 fiction out there somewhere somewhere <laughs> under a different name google docs <laughs> I have I have to keep the brand recognition, you know. Of course, it's gotta yeah. be porn. If you're known as if yeah. you're known as the pornographer, then you have to stay known as the pornographer, right? It did kind of end up being detrimental to me eventually because now I find it more difficult to write non-porn. But <laughs> that's the way it goes. Do you, do you have that thing where you're like actually starting to write like a just a just a you know PG thirteen story, and then all of a sudden some like two characters look at each other, and you're like, stop it, stop it right now, stop it. Somebody just whips their dick out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is is that? Um, I'm curious because I've never really talked to anybody that writes fan fiction before, not not directly, and uh, actually that's that's not true. But I've never anyway. that is not true. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what kind of feedback do you get from that, like, when you put that stuff out in the world? Or is it just shared between you and your friend? Oh, no, it's out there. It's on my AO3. Um, most of the feedback I get is pretty positive. Mm-hmm. But mostly because I don't get a lot of feedback. I don't get a lot of comments on my stuff. But the, the comments I do get are usually, overall, decently positive. I've gotten a few... Um, I don't know why I read this, or am I gross for having read this? There's a story behind that. It was on the tamest fanfiction I've ever written. Mm -hmm. And this guy came up like, I'm I'm, I'm just going to bring it up right now because I have it. Sure, Um, yeah. If you want to drop a link in the Discord, I'll I'll include it in the show notes as well. Okay. Oh boy, where is it? It was the... Damn, it was the one that was... Here it is. Copy link. I'm sorry, I'm doing all this on my phone because I don't want to have the keyboard clacking. But yeah, some of the comments on this one are like, please reassure me I'm not fucked up for reading this. P.S. I'm not hating on your story. I was just curious to see what it's like. I kind of regret being curious, though. <laughs> oh, wow. And you said it was, it was something relatively tame. Oh, yeah. 
And, um, well, my wild curiosity has been satisfied, though I wish it wasn't. And this is from someone who has written way more out there things than I have. That's a, it's always kind of interesting to me what like people consider the line, like as far as between like, you know, what is just, you know, just normal erotica versus like, oh, this makes me gross for even reading it. Yeah, I'm going to send you the link right now. You're probably going to have the same um, reaction that I did. Like, how is this? Because it is, it's, it's not the weirdest thing that I've written. And still it's. I don't know. I guess it just got that kind of response. <laughs> Do you, uh, are you also like a big fan of fan fiction when it comes to Bloodborne or Souls games? Oh yeah. Like if there's ever something on the AO3 tag that like catches, um, that catches my eye, I just jump on it because, oh my God, that's, it's new fan fiction. The game's been out for three years and people are still writing fan fiction. I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm a, I'm curious is if it, if you started writing this and you started like watching all of the lore videos and things, and obviously like I would imagine that the lore videos kind of feed into the fan fiction and like, that's kind of a, a two way street almost like that, that you can, you start building all of that lore up in your head when you actually played the game and you're encountering these characters in the game for the first time, having, having written about them before, is that an odd experience? Like, do they, if they do they yeah. act like weird because you've been writing about them in such a way for such a long time like does it do they feel different or how do, how does that work It does feel kind of weird because I've already um I've already created this whole personality for characters in my head and also mm-hmm. in my and like in my fan fictions which is the thing um in FromSoft and and their games you get a certain amount of characterization and the rest you have to get from from the lore from the um, from the bits of descriptions in like items and and all of that the only the characterization that you get is less from what you see of the character and more from what you hear of the character and i've always just found that kind of a little jarring having gone back to play the game after i wrote all of this yeah because they were it had to be having all of that stuff in your head versus like seeing it on the screen yeah it's like, oh, this is how they're supposed to be. Well, I like that idea, but I'm not going to go with it. Yeah, because it does it doesn't work for your writing, which is which is important. I do like to keep um I do like to keep true to the characterization that we do get, but just build off of that. I think that's what works for me, so I can um I can more easily get back into it after having played the game. Yeah. It's it's that's a kinda a fascinating thing for me because fan fiction is such a like you know do what you want like these characters exist like obviously nobody is you know just just do what you want with these characters it can be anything that you want to um yeah, but there's it, so many different characterizations too so yeah and and it, it's always kind of not confused me but to see like characters portrayed in radically different ways than they are originally i'm not gonna say intended but they originally presented in, in, the, in the original media and like, well, if you can just do anything, like just why choose that one particular character to do this as opposed to someone else that might be have a closer characterization. So it's nice that you're like keep trying to keep close to the, to these characters at the same time. Yeah, it is kind of, it is difficult, I suppose, because like I said, you don't get a lot of characterization for them. But it, I think what's fun about that is just building off and just making people out of characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Is uh is Bloodborne the only game that you've written fan fiction for? Um, 
I've written for Bloodborne, um, not, not quite for Dark Souls, I haven't gotten enough into it, but I do, I used to write a lot for Elder Scrolls, mm-hmm. but other than that, my voice kind of broke a little bit there. <laughs> I know this is a, uh, a Dark Souls Bloodborne podcast, but um, since I have the opportunity, like I'd, I'd like to ask you just like how you got started with that, like what made you kind of interested in it? Was it just stuff that you were reading and you were like, oh, I could do this too? Or were you already writing stuff and then kind of gravitated towards this? How did it, how did it start? Um, how did fan fiction, how did my fan fiction writing start, or how yeah. did um, Elder Scrolls fan fiction writing? Um, well, I was I was into the um, the Ninja Turtles fandom actually from about 2012 onward. Skyrim came before that, but writing did not start until I was into Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so know I what I expected you on... to say, but Ninja Turtle fandom was definitely not it. So, <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. My my fan fiction, my FFN account is full of that. But after I after I made the move to AO3, it was Skyrim, 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 and then 2015, still Skyrim, still a bit of Skyrim. 2016, Bloodborne, just Bloodborne. And it's there. been Bloodborne since then. Yep, I I've been trying to get back into Elder Scrolls because I do have a series that I left hanging once I started Bloodborne, but uh, that's how it goes. What uh what is it about specifically about Bloodborne do you think that's captured your imagination so much? I think it's, mm, I am more or less a really big fan of the horror genre, and particularly it's the, it's the cosmic, the Lovecraftian, that that sort of stuff. That, that It was that about Bloodborne that drew me in. And also, you know, the, the guts and the gore, all of that. Yeah, yeah. But mostly the, mostly the horror aspect. Um, what I like about it is that it's not scary in the conventional sense, it's, it's scary when you think about it. And that's why I like. Yeah, it says in um, Miyazaki's always kind of been known for that that quiet horror as opposed to you know jump scares or, or anything like that. It's it's more of like uh, if you really think about what's what's been happening. Like sure, it's it's gross like to look at, but it's also sad to look at. And if you think about what's happened to something to make it look gross, that's that's the sadness and the horror in it. In it. Alternatively, Ariana, that is just that is the kind of horror that I'm all about. Ariana being the um, the woman in the research hall at the bottom with the, uh no that's Adeline Ariana's oh. the woman in the tr- in the chapel oh that's right okay I'm sorry what about got, like, the whole go ahead sorry <laughs> I, I feel like you were about to ask the same question I was about to answer I think you I, th- I think you absolutely were so go ahead <laughs> it's more the um the the body horror sort of thing because like halfway through the game you've got Ariana suddenly just knocked up with a god baby out of nowhere and that's if that's not horrifying that's not so terrifying then i don't know (laughs) i don't know speaking from personal experience i find that just scary anything about that oh absolutely um taking your taking your agency away i think is the is the biggest thing that i can that that's so scary for me like all of a sudden she she doesn't even know what she did or she doesn't even know what's happening to her and that's that's terrifying yeah it's very, um, it's very Rosemary's Baby when I think about it. Yeah, it's, I think it's like the lack of agency, like overall in Bloodborne. That's, that's um, because you can't, you have no control over what's happening. No one really did, I guess, after the old, after the whole thing with the old blood. No one just had any control over them. I think it's just the lack of control that people have over the events of the story. Because once it started happening, it just kept happening. 
that's that's the best way it's a and it's it's one of those things too where it keeps happening and then there's there's definitely members of the world that are are trying to forward their own agenda and to make it worse and it yeah. just it just never gets any better that's that's the one thing about, across um all of the souls games that i find is like any, any npc that you talk to the best outcome for them is usually for you not to even speak to them at the beginning of the game like because anything that you oh. try to oh, do yeah. is just going to make it worse and worse and worse and worse for them case in point solaire oh yeah absolutely um, Gascoigne's daughters, Solaire, um, Eileen. If you don't talk to Eileen, nothing happens with her, and that's the best you can do for her. That's the best. I mean, she could just be chilling in Yarnum, Yarnum City for like the for the whole game. You don't even need to. I don't even know if she will move into that Gascoigne fight um, automatically. I don't. The, the triggers in Bloodborne for all of those NPCs are a little weird. I haven't gotten. I haven't done them enough to uh, to, to really have it memorized. I think as long as you don't go into the graveyard after um, after fighting Gascoigne, then she should be okay. Because I'm not sure if talking to her triggers the fight with Henrik, or if that's just a thing that happens. I haven't experimented with that yet, but... Do you have any other... So you, you said you played... Obviously, you've played Bloodborne. You've dipped into Souls a little bit. Did you play any of the other Souls games, or is it pretty much all Bloodborne? Uh, pretty much all Bloodborne. Dark Souls 1 was just up until the Asylum Demon and that horrible, <laughs> horrible, horrible experience that I had with the Asylum Demon. Was it a situation where you were trying to kill it with the you know, the sword hilt or what have you? Yeah, sword hilt. Um, the, uh, the thing where you just jump off the ledge, I kept getting killed by the skeletons. <laughs> I couldn't get to the Asylum Demon because the skeletons kept killing me. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, had you played Bloodborne? You had played Bloodborne at that point, right? Yeah, it's such a. I think at that point I was trying to play Dark Souls like Bloodborne. Yeah, and it's a, it's a much slower game. Like you have to kind of slow yourself down and really pay yeah. attention. Even though I think the the bosses overall are are easier. Like they just have dramatically less health than than Bloodborne. It's yeah. it can definitely be uh, a harder game to play in some ways. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I don't like slow paced things, mm-hmm. which I guess why. It's- why, is why I gravitated towards Bloodborne so much more. It's because it's fast-paced, you know, you can just run in, smack, 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 you're done. <laughs> Tell me about that first experience uh, actually playing Bloodborne. Like, I want to kind of delve into you coming to terms with the mechanics and also uh, like actually experiencing that story in the game for the first time. Well, much like Dark Souls, I sucked at it at first. I hated it for a while. It was... <laughs> For a while, because like I was playing it on my partner's account, um, I would just do chalice dungeons because I sucked so bad at the story. They're actually playing it right now in front of me. They just died. But um, yeah, for a while, I'd only do chalice dungeons and they do story mode. I would just um, grind blood echoes for them. <laughs> and over time, it just progressed to, hey, I want to do story mode. So I made my own hunter and it was wildly different going from them. Um, Level 30. Was it level... Was it level 30? No, it was not level 30. Because we're on 200 right now on that hunter. Um, just going from really high level and doing all these chalice dungeons that were that were just really easy. Going to, like, beginning of the game. I know nothing. I can do nothing. They're telling me that it's at level 236. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just going back... We're going to come back to that. Finish this. But come, we're going to come back here in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. 
So it was weird going from like really high level, you know, New Game Plus, everything is just easy peasy, lemon squeezy, to just low level, waking up in the clinic, everything is difficult, difficult, lemon difficult, to use the <laughs> meme. Um, and I was just so upset because I, I started with the worst possible weapon combination that you can do. I started with a blunderbuss and the cane because I thought it looked cool. Same. It's exactly my first build in Bulletboard was the blunderbuss and the cane. So, it doesn't work, does it? Um, I dropped the blunderboard blunderbuss pretty quickly, uh, just because the the spread on it and the range on it just wasn't very good, and I was actively trying to parry a lot, and it just wasn't working for me. Uh, I ended up keeping yeah, if the you're cane. Trying to parry, the pistol's better. The, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I ended up keeping the cane the whole game, though. I like the cane a lot. I'm a cane apologizer. So. <laughs> I like the cane. I usually I usually go between the saw cleaver and the cane for starting weapons because I have I've made multiple. I've made multiple playthroughs, so I'm like, you know, I'll just try this, I'll try this, and then I usually end up going towards, like, the beast, something like the beast claw. I like the beast claw a lot. I've always wanted to do, a so like, fun. a full playthrough as, as you know, just go straight beast mode with beast pellets. I'm actually and... working on that. Yeah? Yeah, it's it's difficult, because when, um, when you go fully beast mode on it, you, um... And you're just dedicated to that playthrough. You can't have the gun out because you have the beast claw constantly transformed, which makes certain boss fights a bitch and a half. <laughs> That's true, absolutely true. Especially you know any of the uh, like the Lady Marias or the or the Germans or any of those like hunter fights, it becomes a lot more difficult. So okay, but but for real, I I, I didn't I didn't even bother doing the DLC with the beast claw run. I because I got so pissed off trying to fight German without my gun that I just, I could not do it. I, I broke, I took out, I just took out the gun. <laughs> I had to, I had to do that. I had to parry. I could not get a decent backstab in. I just had to take out the gun. It, it broke me. That fight broke me. German's a lot of fun. Have you done the DLC at all? I have. I've, I've made it to the orphan and I gave up. Yeah, because fuck that. That orphan fight is is something else. Like it's especially after the fishing hamlet. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. The fishing hamlet is one of the to me like one of the best levels in a across the series, but also like one of the like grossest and also the worst to think about levels. Like it's just it's bad all around. <laughs> like it's yeah. all of the enemies are hard. Everything that happened here sucks. Nothing good has ever come from this. I'm so sorry, <laughs> everybody. The only good thing that will come of this is just ending it. Exactly right. I like. Uh, I really like Kaz as a boss fight because it seems like an evolution of the stuff that the game was teaching you with hunter fights, like the you know Lady Maria German, without with still having that like really really aggressive, uh, that monster AI with it screaming at you all the time. Uh, but it is it is like really hard. <laughs> as much yeah. as I like it and I like to do it solo, like it's really difficult. Yeah, I, th- I think the only time I've ever um, actually witnessed the orphan getting just getting fought and actually beaten was when my partner did it, and it took them. Um, how many times did it take you? They're right here, so I can ask. Over the course of two weeks. Over the course of two weeks. Just constantly going at it. It's like nonstop <laughs> orphan fighting. <laughs> yeah, that was one of uh, that was I did that with the, when I finally got the Rikuyo on my skill build trying to uh just commit myself to killing it killing cause only with the rikuyo was uh was a challenge let's say yeah i think 
um, most monster fights with anything other than something that you can just whack them with is just difficult. Yeah. Or if you can get the pizza cutter, you can pizza cut most of the monsters to death pretty easy. Oh yeah. Which I absolutely love. <laughs> oh yeah. Whirly gig squad for life. Yeah. That thing is, that's the best weapon in any video game period. Like I'd get yeah. out of here with your master swords or your, you know, Samus blasters. It's, it's whirly gig or, or, or nothing for me. Yeah. Just show like the whirly gig, the boom hammer. It's slow, but I like it. I like the, I like the sound it makes. I love the fact that they called it a boom hammer. I remember hearing that before the DLC came out when they were still kind of announcing stuff. And I was just looking at it going like, this feels so different than anything in this game that they'd call it a boom hammer. And it actually works. Like it works really well. It's so good. <laughs> you, you mentioned getting up to like level 200 and you said 230, I think just a minute ago. 238. Yeah. 238. What are you, what are you doing with that build? Like what are you and your partner doing with that build? Like just running through new game cycles to, Pretty much, we're um we're doing um basically everything build everything's at fifty and then we're going from there. Jeez, are you just yeah. walking through everything at this point, or is it still a challenge? Um, I haven't gotten on that character in a, in a little bit because I've been focused on my other builds. But last I checked, it wasn't that difficult because we're on new game plus three and level two hundred thirty eight. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> 238. I don't know that I've ever, like, I think 110 is the highest I've ever gone in, in a Bloodborne build. Yeah, it's it's certainly a ride. Talk, talk to me about your other builds. Well, I have one that's going to be a skill Blood Tinge build once I get to New Game Plus, because Blood Tinge is basically useless until you've beaten the game at least once. Yeah, it's unfortunately blood blood tinge is a is a rough build to to spec out for, especially at the very beginning. You need a lot of echoes to do it. Yeah, currently I'm at level forty three on that one. My partner actually just brought up the menu. I was wrong <laughs> about the first one. We're at what is that? Two hundred two hundred fifty one. Two fifty one. Wow. Over three hundred hours. Oh, three hundred forty seven hours on that one. <laughs> Hardcore Bloodborne fan right there. There's also um there's a cosplay build for like Alexander Anderson from from Helsing. Is <laughs> that level fifty nine? Extremely good. Yeah, and then we have my um my skill blood tinge, and then we have um strength and beasthood build. Do you know going back to your writing for a little bit? Does mm-hmm. playing through the game with specific characters does that? in any way influence your writing like do those characters that you're playing or that you're coming up with um like those cosplay characters or your beast build or anything then like come into your writing as characters as well or do you keep it strictly with people in the game um when i bring in a character of my own into a fan fiction i usually stick to one or two that i already have developed what i what i do with the um the characters i'm making in the game i usually just keep them separate from the characters i put in my fan fiction do you ever bring those characters that you use in your fan fiction into the game? And are like, okay, this is the, this is a person that I came up with while I was writing, but now I want to actually go through the game and kind of get into their head a little bit as if they were going through this. I have, but then I realized that the characters I developed for fan fiction would not translate well into Bloodborne, meaning that one of them is just the build that I used when I first started, which is which is the cane and the blunderbuss. So I couldn't do that for him. <laughs> gotcha. So th- there could be characters that you've created that are actually like non-viable in the game. That's just too much of a pain in the ass to actually, actually play with. Yeah. 
Granted, I did manage to platinum, so I could probably I could probably do that if I if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The platinum is is relatively hard to get, like with the going through all those chalices oh, yeah. and everything. It's not it's not extremely fun. Yeah, after I started playing like for real, it took me what two and a half months to stop playing yeah. to platinum it. It can take a long time. Were you soloing yeah. through the chalice dungeons, or were you getting your partner to help you out? I was chalice dungeons. Considering how I got into playing Bloodborne, have actually been decently easy for me. So yeah, it's just been, it's mostly just been me. That's cool. Do you do you participate in the online community at all? Like, do you do, you do a lot of summoning or getting summoned or anything like that, or do you just stick kind of? Oh heck yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yesterday in the morning, I woke up and I just co-op for Bloodstar Beast like ten times. Nice. <laughs> it's actually it's actually the easiest boss for me at this point. Bloodstarved Beast is, is a really fun boss fight once you figure it out, but like at the start, it's just so like all of the skin flying in all different directions and then poison and then yeah. everything else is it, it was so overwhelming for me at first. Yeah, and the music, like can I, can I just talk about the music for a second? I love I love what they do with the soundtrack. How they don't have music for for the background of the game, but when you get into a fight or when something like relevant is happening, it's just beautiful. Do you have a, a, f- a favorite track or a favorite boss theme? Oh geez, um, <laughs> I'm, gonna put you, I'm gonna put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, you had to put me on the spot. Um, I really do like the Living Failures theme. Really? Yeah. I don't even know that I could. Like, I'm I've, I've listened to a bunch of the Bloodborne soundtrack, obviously, but I can't remember the Living Failure theme after, right off the top of my head. I'm gonna have to like edit it into the section so that people can listen to it while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that that track that you think is just a uh, because I'm most like right after it, it's Lady Maria's theme, which I think is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and of course, the I, I do like Lady Maria's theme too. Yeah. <clears throat> what I like what I like about the Living Failures. Huh. What do I like about the Living Failures specifically? I don't know what I like specifically about it. I just know <laughs> that I like the music. It's fine. I'm not that kind of music fan where I can just say what I like about it. I'm just, I like this. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's perfectly fine as well. Like, it's, uh, there's so much good music in Bloodborne. Um, I, I'm a little yeah. overwhelmed sometimes. Like, the like it's just so, the huge swelling orchestra kind of kind of music it's, it can be a little uh, tiring after a while. Um, yeah. But it's, there's some, some really good themes in there. Like, there's just some really good stuff. I, I love the Bloodborne music. I always talk about it. Have you uh, have you seen that live performance of the uh, menu song that that Swedish I orchestra did. did? Oh my god! I did it was beautiful. Jesus Christ! I, <laughs> I cried a little bit. I don't know how many I don't know how many views that has, but at least probably like I'm gonna say ten percent of them are just me watching it over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the whole concert is good too, but that Bloodborne track is something real special to me. Yeah, I'd be curious. Uh, if you if you really enjoy the music of Bloodborne, like going back to uh, Demon Souls, the the music in Demon Souls is so weird and different than anything else. I'd be curious what your opinion of it was. I've actually been meaning to play it, but uh, considering how that they're um, how they're closing the, the the multiplayer servers, I don't know. Yeah, that's a bummer. I'm, I mean, I, yeah. you could play that game single player and be fine. Like, there's not a lot of the multiplayer stuff like there is in the other games, but. Man, it's such it's so sad. Especially just first going into it. Well, you would actually kind of want some help every once in a while, right? Yeah. Do you think uh, you'll it's... you'll go back to 
Dark Souls one or Dark Souls two or Dark Souls three at this point, or do you think uh, you'll, you'll stick with the with the Bloodborne from the foreseeable future? In the future, definitely, I'm definitely going back to Dark Souls, especially because we've been thinking about getting Dark Souls three, and Dark Souls two is actually on PlayStation now, so I think I'll get back into it eventually. Well, you can get the um, if you're going to get the Dark Souls two, uh, I, I would I would recommend that you get the Scholar version that's on PS4 natively because the the original version is not as good like the, the original yeah. PS3 version is. I mean it's it's fine for what it is. Don't get me wrong, but like the PS4 version just has some some quality of life improvements, <laughs> and and it runs over you know 20 frames per second, which the first one had a lot of problems with. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that when my partner and the brother were playing Dark Souls Two. I noticed that there was a lot of, a lot of lag problems, and also getting killed by the pigs in the starting area constantly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Dark Souls Two a lot. Um, it's it's an interesting one to go to because it's it feels like the the redheaded stepchild of the series. Like it's just it's yeah. it's so different than the other games that everyone kind of treats it weirdly. I think. Yeah. So what's what's next for for Bloodborne? Like, what are you, like, what do you have in mind? Are you playing the game a lot to get ideas for more stuff to write about, or are you just kind of playing the game to enjoy it? Um, a little of both, actually. I've been in kind of a writing rut since the end of last year, mostly because I, you know, I came out with Mono around the end of December, oh, and no. I'm still kind of working on beating that back. End up catching a cold, and which is why I'm sounding like absolute shit right now. <laughs> Not um, at all. But yeah, it's it was kind of a setback, especially for someone who writes as much as I do. Like I write more than I post, which is considering how I have almost twenty fix on my on my account, it's it's been kind of a I wouldn't say it's an ordeal, but I would also say it's an ordeal for me to not be able to have the energy to write. Yeah. Well, mono is is one of those things that will just knock you down and like take everything away from you, like where you just you're and just, just like keep a, knocking you down. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's a it's a miserable thing. Yeah. Not. But fun. I have been trying to get back into writing, either through playing a lot of Bloodborne, reading my friends' writing, having them um, hound me to write as Daisy <laughs> did. Just yell at you and be like, "I demand you that you write me more fan fiction for Bloodborne, please." Yeah. Which did work. It did work around the end of last year when I was just in a rut but wasn't sick. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, now that the mono's kind of finally letting up after eight weeks, once once the cold goes away, I'll be able to focus more on writing. Nice. So can can you talk about a, a little bit about your process for writing? Like, um, are you are you making outlines? Are you do you have like a like a book of ideas that you want to write about that you want to explore? Like how do you how do you start a story and how do you see it through to completion? I am of the mind that outlines are for people who want to do it professionally. Okay. Which being said, I wanted to do it professionally for a while, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm probably not going to get anywhere like that, which is sad. But you know, it's just how it is sometimes because I can't write as on a schedule as I want to, which means if I tried to do it professionally, I would be just fucking myself over. Gotcha. My writing process is usually just, I have an idea, I start writing, I can't stop writing, and (laughs) at one point it's finished. And I look it over, make some changes, run it by a friend, post it. And that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the process right there. Yeah. Nice. Is that for all games as well? Like, do you, is that the, just 
for Bloodborne or for for Elder Scrolls or for anything? For for Elder Scrolls, it was more of a it was more of a outlining process because that was when I thought I could actually do things professionally. <laughs> I ended up writing a about twenty thousand word fan fiction, just with an outline. Wow! And it was it was pretty good. Twenty thousand words. Started- that seems. That seems very long. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know what your average fan. I don't. I'm not a, a huge fan fiction guy, but like I, that seems like it'd be. That's a lot of words. Uh, my average is about two thousand words. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is. That's. That's a long one. It's a, the Lord of the Rings at fan fiction, right? <laughs> no, not really. I've seen a lot longer. The one I got inspired to write it by was a lot longer. I don't remember how much longer, but it was a lot longer. <laughs> So do you think, um, I guess, I guess looking forward, like, are you, since you still have a bunch of Dark Souls games to play, like, are you, is your, like, the next big thing that you really want to see from software do? Is that like, uh, like a Bloodborne 2? Like, do you want more stuff in this universe? Or like, what do you, or do you even care? Are you, are you like following what they're releasing or anything? I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm sorry, I keep hitting the mic. I'm a little bit conflicted. Like, I, I want a Bloodborne 2 because I loved Bloodborne. I, I loved playing it. I still love playing it. I feel like there's so many things it could expand upon, and I would love them to. But at the same time, I don't want what happened, what what presumably happened, with Dark Souls Two to happen with a Bloodborne Two. I think what their what their new IP is looking like, you know, Shadows Die Twice. I think it could go, it could really go in either direction. It it looks like it could be a Bloodborne sequel, but I kind of don't want it to be a Bloodborne sequel. <laughs> what do you want it to be? I don't know what I want it to be. I just want it to be. I want it to be good. I was uh, I was in that particular um, camp of thought that like we need we need like one of those like old western sort of things. I, I would love to see Bloodborne. I would like to see um something like Bloodborne, so FromSoft's take on. I hate to I hate to make comparisons, but Red Dead Redemption. I want to see what FromSoft's take on a game like that would be. I don't know if you've if you've listened to this podcast before. Um, I don't. I don't normally. I've listened to a couple episodes. Um, that is, that has been my, the drum that I beat for what I want to see. Like, and if, if there's going to be a Bloodborne two, like I want it. I don't want it to be set in Yarnum. Like, I just want like, oh, we found some weird gods in Old West America, and they fucked up yeah. all of the Old West because. And we know we know that the Beast Plague is a thing that happens outside of Yarnum. Exactly. We know that there were hunters outside of Yarnum, but like we don't know how it went. Outside of Yarnum, that's what I would want from a Bloodborne sequel. I just, I'm imagining the fashion and the characters with like dusters and you know, the bullet belts and everything. It just, it just, I think it would be so cool, especially like going to some weird, small abandoned town and like slowly but surely realizing there's some eldritch horror and you know buried under the town or something. Like it sounds, it sounds like trite, I guess, but man, I, I just there, there has not been a game that I can remember that has done anything like that. So yeah. Or like, give us a modern take on, on this whole thing that Bloodborne's got going. You know, give us something that isn't like I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Dark Souls as medieval. Like, well, I guess I should, but I don't really. I wouldn't put it in like medieval fantasy or Victorian, that sort of stuff. I would just give us something a little more like recent but with the same general concept. I want to see how that would work. So when you're saying recent, you mean like in the, like the 19th, 20th century 
or with yeah. or specifically having like advanced technology or just or more recent in the terms of like architecture and world design I think a bit of the first and the third one, like architecture and world design would be cool as much as I love, love, love how Bloodborne looks. I would just, yeah, like seven, like 1700s, something along those lines Mm -hmm. for like aesthetic reasons. And also times do change. Like things do change over time. I would like to see like monster fights in like the colonial era. I want to see how that would work. (laughs) That would be they just give us modern, somewhat modern weaponry. Yeah, like the you know the, it's the Civil War, but uh, the North found you know, uh, um, what's her name? I cannot, I cannot think of anybody's name today. Jesus Christ, Abritus. Like the North, yeah. like Abraham Lincoln found Abritus, and how does that change the Civil War? <laughs> I wouldn't go exactly like that, but yeah, no, no, of course based not. On that time period. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter. That's all I'm saying. Of course, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, chalice diver. <laughs> that was a good movie, though. That was a really good movie. I, I never I don't actually, care what anyone says. I actually, oh, no, wait, I did see that. I was I was kind of drunk at the time and like half asleep, so I don't remember <laughs> it very well. But it was one of those like let's put it on at the at the end of the night kind of situations. But yeah, yeah. I don't remember it being terrible, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you? Uh, I, I guess after that, like what? As far as you know, that's what kind of if, if there's going to be a Bloodborne, that's what you want to see done. But um, I mean, as far as like the games in general, like you mentioned, like this has kind of inspired you to write nothing but Bloodborne stuff. Is do you have any plans beyond that? Like, do you are you kind of looking at games that are coming out and thinking like that's going to be the next game that that really consumes me whole? Um, yeah, actually, I've been that way about like Monster Hunter World, um, Greedfall. I've actually been holding out for Greedfall. <laughs> Remind me what Greatfall is. I don't remember. Um, Greatfall was introduced, I think, at the last E3. It kind of looked like what I was describing by just Bloodborne, but set in like the colonial era. Oh, okay. I but I don't think that that's the premise for it. It's that's what it reminds me of aesthetically. Are you uh, are you playing Monster Hunter World right now? I am not. We don't have it yet, but mm. I've actually been thinking about it. That's, all my friends are playing it. That's literally what I'm going to be doing as soon as we hang up is rushing to my PS4 to pick up Monster Hunter World again because <laughs> um, <that's>, <laughs> it has consumed me in a way that games like don't normally do. So I've heard it's really good. What do you think it is about about those two? I mean, obviously the the Bloodborne comparison with Greyfall, but the uh, what do, what is it about Monster Hunter World? Because that seems like it'd be kind of it's it's not very much in that Bloodborne style. It's, it's if you're going to compare it to anything, like I guess it's closer to Dark Souls, but it's not even really like medieval fantasy at that point. It's just like kind of weird fantasy, I guess. I think it's more of a, the fact that all my friends from the Bloodborne fandom have kind of migrated to Monster Hunter, and that's what's really drawing me. It's less of a it's less of a this is like Bloodborne, and more of a my friends who liked Bloodborne are playing this, so I might like it too. Yeah. Definitely can be a social thing. Yeah. Also, I like keeping the same general circle of friends, so I tend to follow people through fandoms. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I got into Lovecraft. In general? Like like your friends kind of drug you into Lovecraft from from something else? Yeah, Daisy ended up dragging me from Bloodborne to Lovecraft. Uh, Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me too, because I never really... Like, obviously, I was aware of Lovecraft, because it was such a a culture thing, but... uh, had never actually read any of his books until after Bloodborne. Um, 
So it was it was yeah. weird. My buddies over at Bonfire Side Chat were were you know covering some of the books after their Bloodborne season because it tied in so well. So I kind of read along with them, and it was it's a weird experience coming to those books after everybody else seems to have <laughs> like reading that in my thirties is I think much different than what it would have been like reading that in my teenage years. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell you if I can confirm that once I hit thirty. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I'm an old man. I'm sorry. I'm Grandpa it's Souls okay. over here. That's what everybody calls Grandpa me. Souls. Grandpa Souls. Well, thank you so much for getting up early on a on a Saturday and guesting with me, Hals. I really appreciate it. It's it's Sunday. Is it? Is it? Oh, that God, goes to show Sunday. how early it is. It's Sunday. Everybody knows that I'm the worst and can't, can't remember anything. So, and also typo tweets okay? all the time. So, <laughs> thank you for You're getting okay. up early on a Sunday and, and, and doing a podcast with me. I very much appreciate it. Uh, well, thank you for having me. It's been it's been fun. I, I really like doing this. Yeah, this is this has been a really good episode. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Where can you be found on the internet? Should people want to uh, track you down? Uh, I can actually put that in the in the chat right now. I have Tumblr, Twitter. Uh, Instagram, but it's not the same URL, so I usually don't. Uh, it's really, it's just really difficult checking out the um, the type font. I'm so far away from the computer right now. <laughs> oh god, what else do I do? What else do I do? Oh god. I put you um, on the spot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Cool. And I'll include. Um, yeah, it looks like it's Helicon with a couple eyes, and it's your Twitter and your Tumblr. Um, yeah, most of the time the um, the usual is taken, so I had to put an extra eye. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's why my gaming handle is not ECEC instead of just EC nowadays because people were stealing my, my my name, my brand. They were stealing my brand, and I didn't like it. Um, if people want to track you down, go to look in the show notes. I'll, I'll include links to all of that stuff in there, so you can click on it. And uh, and thank yeah. you again for guesting. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. If you want to support the show, the easiest way to do that is going to patreon.com slash don'tgiveupskeleton. Leave an iTunes review is free and easy to do. And uh, just listening makes me really, really happy. And uh, so tell all of your soul's friends about the podcast. Uh, if you want a guest, just send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll put you on my list, and we'll kind of go back and forth from there. But most importantly, you need to remember to never give up skeleton. I think I messed up my own tagline. I should say don't give up skeleton, which is the name of the podcast. It's way too early. I said we could do this at 7, but apparently I could, we just can't. Hells, we cannot do it. Yeah.